The 383rd edition of the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Circus Sports. Circus Sports is back with their Circus Survivor and Circa Millions contests. $14 million up for grabs. Get all the details at CircusSports.com. Adio DeGenerinos and welcome to episode 383 of the Sports Gambling Podcast. I did it again. The MMA Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Don't even know the name of my own show. It's going to be a fantastic episode, as per usual. Thanks for coming to the podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Jeff Chalks Fox, the chalky half of the duo. Even though I'm less chalky, as as the days go by, I seem to be getting more into, into the dogs and hitting dogs. So we shall see. That's not a good clip. Hating dogs again. We got to stop saying that. But anyhow, thanks for coming to the show. We've got a UFC fight night event, but it's not at the UFC Apex this week. No, they are in the O2 Arena in London, so it's a higher quality uh, fight card. I think we decided than than the usual fight night. So we shall dive into it this episode with the prelims. It's going to be jam pack episode because there's like 29 prelim fights we have to go through. So let's bring in my uh, co-host to help me get through this slog it'll be fun, a fun slog but a slog nonetheless it's one and only daniel gumby reeland hello so you mentioned this one being outside of the apex which is uh good news did you know eight of the next nine are outside of the apex yeah i, I saw i can't remember where i saw it because but yes i did see someone commenting how the apex is apex is, seems to be getting um phased out which i don't know if, if i like that or not i guess it's good i kind of like the apex too though yeah, and I've actually heard from some fighters recently that they like the Apex, uh, which yeah, is kind of weird. Yeah, Panny Kianzad recently said that she yep. she loves the Apex, and I can't remember who the other one was, uh, but they said you know like it's got everything you need. It's all right in one spot for you. So uh, who wouldn't love yep. the Apex? Um, but with that being said, you know it is nice to see them get out to some of the non traditional locations too. You know, like they, yeah. you know they always do you know, Jacksonville, Florida and Los Angeles and, you know, Boston usually gets a show in New York city, but like they're getting out to Nashville, which is kind of cool. And Salt Lake city is slowly getting like a a lot of events for some reason. And they're going there. They're getting pay-per-views too. Yeah. They're getting pay-per-view in a week, right? Yeah. Is that two straight pay-per-views for Salt Lake city, which is a real weird thing. Yeah. 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 And then they're going back to Brazil in November. So like it's, it's, uh, it's some locations that haven't been getting shows too. So I, I appreciate that as well. Yes, that is true. Good point. And it's always good to have a raucous crowd on hand, which usually they are in London. Apparently you and I are, are way off base. So I was listening to uh severe MMA on the weekend and uh, Sean Sheehan was talking about how this UFC card is not a very good card. And the, uh, Cage Warriors one coming up is, is a stack card. So we had it totally opposite when we did those this, episodes. This Cage Warriors card is terrible. Um, he, he said he said it's stacked with prospects. And you said the opposite. And then we, we said this uh, fight night card and uh, UFC fight night card is great. And he thinks it's not good. So Yeah, there's nothing better than an 11-7 champion defending his belt <laughs> against a guy who's already beat him. Like, what? You, you know, and, and yeah, maybe maybe Vucenich is kind of fun. and But like, that Skabinski Flamina's fight isn't filled with prospects either. I, I guess he probably loves Harry Hardwick, but it's the worst yeah. of the two Hardwick brothers. The other one's going to be on Contender Series, so yeah, I don't, I don't know what he's. Oh talking. yeah, that's uh, I'm, I'm putting it together now. George and Harry would be brothers. Yeah, 
Yeah, the yeah, Hardwick brothers. And, and George is way better than Harry. Um, so, yeah. Harry lost to Richie Smolin. Do you know Richie Smolin oh, from the Ultimate Fighter? Yeah. Um, and, and so, like, yeah, he, he's not he's not a, a phenomenal. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. That That's a kind of a rough Cage Warriors card. But maybe that's yeah. when you're you're filled with Irish locals and stuff like that. Yeah. And people who you're around, like, I, I'm sure it seems a lot better than it is. It's the exact reason why I love... I love Cage Titans cards. Every Cage Titans yep. card, I'm like, oh, yeah, this card rules. And, uh, yeah, because it's all a bunch it, of mass holes, right? It's, it's a bunch of people I've heard of. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is true. All right, we uh, like I said, this is a jam-packed episode. I, I just counted to make sure I didn't miss out the first time. Nine fights we're breaking out today, Dan. That's, uh, yeah, nine on the prelims, six nine on the main card, prelim. if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> well, the prelims, I actually found some dogs on uh i ha- had a harder time on the main card getting finding dogs even though i have a two wet dogs in real life right beside me currently stinky wet dogs but um yeah on this fight card didn't find a heck of a lot of dogs in the main card but the prelims is is where i i did find some plus ones i liked even though some of the lines have shifted since i uh broke it down on monday yeah they they have been moving a lot i feel like because yeah, there was people... one there was one that i mm-hmm. thought i had a dog on and i looked this morning and, and it'll be interesting to see what lines you have here because it's as probably of this the same morning, um, as of this morning, I had him as a favorite, uh, which yep. was kind of surprising to me. So yeah, I, uh, we're probably talking about the same fight. We'll we'll see when we get to it. But yeah, awesome. I, I had the exact same thing. I, I like okay, well, this guy's uh, this guy's a dog. Nope, he's a favorite now. So yeah, all right, and enough pitter pattering around. Let's get down to it. After I tell you about circa sports circa millions and circa survivor are back 14 million guaranteed prizes are up for grabs circa millions are five nfl picks against the spread each week the circus survivor is you just pick a different money line winner each week enter in vegas play from anywhere sports gambling podcast will be out there in las vegas the last weekend in august circusports.com for all the details that's c-i-r-c-a-s-p-o-r-t-s.com gumby are you still going to get ufc boston tickets or ticket if you win 14 million I realized that that uh that that the probably the winner of circa millions is going to come after uh UFC Boston. Oh. So well, so maybe I'll have to find another to find a different joke. Yeah, I have to find another overpriced UFC event to get tickets to. Okay, very good, very good. And then Cowboys obviously are, are the pick according to Gumby. So uh, the bosses have not uh, complained about you saying Cowboys yet. So must not be listening. <laughs> must not be listening, or, or Dan would would have been out in his ass by now. So all right, let's get down to UFC Fight Night. Uh, Aspinall versus Tybura. Yes, Tom Aspinall is back. Uh, he's going down this Saturday. Do you have the time right in front of you for it? Uh, or not? Pre- prelims start at noon Eastern. Okay, noon Eastern. Thank you, sir. Are the prelims on ESPN Plus and UFC Fight Pass? The O2 Arena in London is the spot where it is taking place. Uh, card has been pretty. I don't want to totally jinx, don't want to jinx it, but it's been pretty. Um, pretty steady the whole time it, we haven't had a lot of a flux as per as per usual so start we'll start things off in the flyweight division on the male side jafel filo versus daniel Bariz. i will tell you about Bariz first 16 and 5 seven knockouts six submissions he's been submitted twice this is his ufc debut he went 0-1 on the contender series but here he is on the ufc because he since that time he's won four straight fights and 10 of 11. So basically, uh, the one you lost was on the Contender Series. Who do you lose to, Dan? Uh, Carlos Her- Carlos Hernandez. Split decision. Okay, okay right. Uh, he's f- Plus, his force, his four straight wins have all come via finish. Used fight up at Bantamweight, was the Bama champion. 2012 pro MMA debut. Uh, based off of his one fight 
he's got better striking stats and he's more active landing strikes than Philo. Uh, he's also got better grappling stats. He was outstruck by Carlos Fernandez by 1.66 strikes per minute. He's at plus 110. Pastor Philo, 14 and three, five knockouts, eight submissions. So he's finished almost everyone. Impressive for a flyweight. And he's been submitted himself twice. 0-1 in the UFC, 1-0 contender series. He's gone 5-1 over his last six. He lost his last fight via submission, which was his UFC debut. He used to fight at Bantamweight as well. 2012 pro MMA debut for him as well. Inch of height, two inches of reach on Burris. Five years younger. He got outstruck over his two stri- his two fights we have uh, stats for, UFC and contender series. Was outstruck by 0.46 strikes per minute. He's at minus 125. So tell us. Tell us about Burris and give us your pick. So I'm going to start by just saying I'm actually going to take Breeze in this fight. Um, I am too. I, yeah. Dog right so, out the gate. Yeah. So here's the thing for me is that I think that near submission that Jafel Filo had uh, all by himself, that, that, that one submission, that one knee bar attempt that he had, I, I think that that is 100% the reason why he comes in here as a favorite. Because if you just look at them stylistically, I think Bariz is a bad matchup for him. And I think that, like, what, what did Jafel Filo do in that fight other than that knee bar to make you be like, oh, yeah, Jafel Filo should be a favorite here. Like, he got out grappled. He got taken down repeatedly. He tried 150 submissions from the bottom, only one of which was close. He got outboxed the entire time. And, like, it seemed like he had no answers for the wrestling, right? And granted, yeah, Mohamed Mokayev is a really good wrestler. So, like, let's give it to him there. It's, like, it's hard to defend takedowns for from Mokayev. But Baris is a good wrestler, too. You know, he got five takedowns on the Contender Series against Carlos Hernandez. Carlos Hernandez, other than that fight, has had pretty good takedown defense. You know, like he, he stuffed a bunch from Altamirano. He stuffed a bunch from Nascimento. He stuffed a couple from Denny's Bondar. Like, he's a guy who stuffs takedowns. He had a tough time stuffing the takedowns of Bariz, and he kept trying for takedowns on Bariz and not getting them. So I think the thing about Bariz is he's most likely going to dictate where this fight goes, on the feet or on the mat. And I actually think he's a little bit faster than Philo on the feet too. So, yeah, I, I, I like Bariz here. I, I think he's... I think he's more well-rounded. I think he's going to be better in different places. Obviously, the short notice piece of it all is the little bit of hang-up. But look, you're getting plus money on him. So, yeah, I'd like Breeze here. Is this short notice? When was this fight set up? So, it's not 100% short notice. Uh, I, I would say this fight probably got booked, I, I don't know, three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago. The only reason I say short notice is because Philo was originally supposed to fight uh, one one. Carmillo Ronderos, the one who tested positive for cocaine. Remember that guy? Oh, yes, um, yes, yes. Yeah, he was originally supposed to fight that guy, which I think was supposed to be a gift to Philo for the knee bar he had on Mokayev, right? Like, it was like, oh, hey, you know, good job with that one submission attempt. You looked really good doing it. Here's a layup uh, with, with Juan Carmillo Ronderos or whatever his name is. Um, and then that guy pulled out of the fight. And, and instead, he gets this, like, what I think is a terrible matchup in Breeze. So uh, nice to see Breeze get his shot, though. Yep, definitely. Uh, so Breeze is our pick to kick things off. We're going to move over to the female side and drop down to strawweight. Shauna Bannon, the Irish prospect, making her debut in the UFC against Bruna Brazil, who we were high on and then we soured on last fight. Um, we'll tell you about Mama B first, Shauna Bannon. 5-0 and with two knockouts. This is her UFC debut, as I said. 2-0 in Invicta, was regional champion, four inches reach on Brazil, plus 125 in her debut. 
The special one, Bruna Brazil, eight, three, and one, three knockouts, two submissions. She's been knocked out three times. Oh, and one, the UFC, one, no, one contender series. She's won seven of her last eight. She got TKO'd in her last fight. Uh, is also a pro boxer or was inch taller than Bannon, minus 145. Uh, I haven't totally given up on Bruna Brazil yet. I, I think she's going to win this fight. She's going to be the way better uh, striker against Shauna Bannon. And her last uh, loss, um, her TKO loss to. Um, Stella, was it Stella Nunes? Who was it? Um, Denise, Denise Gomes. Denise Gomes has aged very well because we saw what Denise Gomes did uh, last event. So uh, give me Brazil. I'm I'm still on the hype train. I'm with you. Uh, I'm going to go over to Brazil too. Uh, I, let let me be honest. I I really wanted to like Shauna Bannon in this fight because I do like her as a prospect. I think it's a little bit too much too soon. Um, Exactly. and, and, And not that Bruta Brazil, like you said, she didn't look good in that last fight. While it has aged well, Shauna Bannon just also just like isn't the same kind of fighter as Denise Gomes in any stretch of the imagination. She like doesn't have a ton of power. She's definitely a volume over strength kind of fighter. And like I think that plays poorly against Bruno Brazil. Bruno Brazil really strong. We saw what she did to Marnik Mar- uh, Mann uh, in the contender series. She like kicked her head off. Like I, I think the fact that she's not going to be eating punches that feel like Denise Gomes through, I think it's going to give Bruno Brazil a lot of confidence. I think you're going to see Bruno Brazil use her grappling. I think this Bruno Brazil will look like the one I thought was going to happen against uh, Denise Gomes. Now I'm not backing the truck up and dumping my, my bank account on it because let's face it. We got burned once by Bruno Brazil, but I, I do think as a slight favorite in this spot, she's probably like a nice parlay piece here. Throw her in a parlay. Sounds good to me. So we'll see if the special one gets back into our our special uh, our special hearts, Dan. Our special group of fighters that we that we root for uh, hard in the Discord sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord, of course. All right, let's go to lightweights male side. Chris Duncan versus Yanel Ashmuz, a fighter who's I realized I don't really know him because I missed his debut. That was when I was floating in the ocean. So um, Gumby can I'm sure. Fill us in on this. We'll tell you about the Red Fox first. Ash Moos, 7-0, four knockouts, two submissions, one known in the UFC, won that fight via TKO, one known in the PFL as well. Used to fight up at welterweight, two years younger than Duncan. Uh, based off that one fight, his striking stats, and and he's more active landing strikes than Duncan is. Plus, he has better grappling stats. We're very small sample size, obviously. Uh, he outstruck his opponent in his debut by 10.4 strikes per minute. He's at plus 130. The problem, Chris Duncan, 10-1, seven knockouts, one submission. She was knocked out once. One on one in the UFC, one one on contender series. He's won three straight fights. He also went three and zero in Bellator. He used to fight at welterweight as well. Was a regional champion. Inch of height, three inches of reach on Ash Moose. Somehow he's got a plus minus strike differential of zero point zero, despite having three fights. Wild. Minus one fifty is the number on him. I'm gonna go dog here and you know Ash Moose. Um, I, I like Chris Duncan. I. I... I remember he he picked up that win over Charlie Campbell in uh, on Contender Series and made us all very happy in the Discord because I think most of us were in on Chris Duncan. Um, but let's face it, his two stints on the Contender Series look pretty bad in retrospect. Uh, he 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 lost to Slava Claus in his first fight, got knocked cold, like real cold. Um, and in that second fight that he did win against Charlie Campbell. I mean, he was on, he was on newborn baby deer legs, you know, like he was wobbling. He didn't look good in there. And and then he pulled a knockout out of literally nowhere. 
So like the fact that he's he's got power in his hands gives him hope at any time. But also like the fact that he's been wobbled in both of his contender series fights and then Omar Morales wobbled him too. He's really been wobbled in his last three high level fights. Ashmoos is a terrible opponent for him in those regards for two reasons. Number one, Ashmoos just slapped Sam Patterson. And number two, I also think Ashmoos just like has the wrestling to nullify that power that Chris Duncan has. Because while he didn't get to use it against Sam Patterson, he did against Dennis Hughes on, on uh, it was PFL, but it was PFL Challenger Series, which is a little less prestigious there. But like, he, he did get his wrestling going there. He's kind of like a little bowling ball. So I, I think uh, I think has got a lot of weapons here that that nullify what Duncan can do um, and, and the power being the big one. So I'm going to go Ashmoos. Yeah, I will tr- uh, tell you here as well. Um, like you said, the, the power is a big thing. Um, a guy who maybe we're questioning his chin going up against a guy who's who can crack, who's he's knocked out four of his last five opponents um with a decision victory thrown in there as well so yeah that's that's um let's roll the dice on another plus dog money fighter here plus he's got a good nick- nickname with fox in it so i can't go against that can i no um all right women's bantamweights ketlin Vieira versus penny kianzad the aforementioned penny kianzad you can catch uh, an interview, um, t- her talking about her comeback on Top Turtle MMA podcast, which Gumby runs. A very good interview with Penny Kianzad. Um, let's tell you about her first, her resume first. Ba- Bonsai is a nickname, 16 to 6 with three knockouts. One, she knocked out herself once, submitted twice. Five and three in the UFC over two stints. She went 2 and 0 on the Ultimate Fighter and then lost in the finals. Who'd she lose to, Dan? Uh, Macy Chisong. Correct. Yeah, that was up at Featherweight. Um, she's won five of her last six, including winning her last fight. That was back in April of 2022 because she tore her ACL in the gym. And, uh, as she, as she told Dan uh, in his interview, um, she could have uh, come back. It came back earlier and was offered fights, but she wanted to make sure uh full year was under her belt make sure she was, uh, fit and ready to roll. And apparently she is. So there you go. <clears throat> Excuse me. She's missed weight a couple times before. So it's something you may want to keep in mind that, uh, this one's down at Bantamweight. Um, so may want to wait to see what, how she looks on the scale before, uh, if you're thinking of throwing some money at her or even on the other side, uh, you fight up in featherweight, as I said, was a cage warriors champion two and three in Invicta 2012 pro MMA debut striking and active striking stats are in her favor over Vieira. She dealt struck her UFC opponents by 1.2 strikes per minute. She's at plus 140. Phenomeno is the nickname for Vieira. We have another Phenomeno coming up in a couple of fights. If you can believe that <clears throat> she is 13 and three. Two knockouts, four submissions. She's been knocked out once. Seven and three in the UFC. So quite the bet at this point now. Two, she's won two of her last three. However, only three of her last six. She did lose her last fight. She's also missed weight before. So likewise, like I was saying about Kianzad, you may want to wait until the weigh-ins on Friday morning. Multi-reacher championships on her. Mantle. Correct. Get the t-shirt, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash store. She's an inch taller, two inches reach on Kianzad. Uh, better grappling stats than her. Uh, she has been outstruck by her opponents in the UFC by 0.92 strikes per minute, so that's not so hot. She's at minus 150. Before I make a pick, I keep mentioning the weight thing. I will throw some stats out there for people who aren't aware of it. Uh, fighters who miss weight are only winning 38% of the time um, historically, so it's something to keep in mind. Same thing with this year, right on 38%, so something to keep in mind um, when you're picking these fights. All right. Um, I'm going to go dog again. Uh, this is one of the ones I was, I was this one and the last fight, Duncan Ashmoos, I was kind of going back and forth on, but, 
it comes down to the striking. Kianzad's going to be the better striker here. Uh, obviously, the time off is a bit of a concern, uh, especially considering it was uh, due to an injury. But it sounds like she's she's done it correctly, hasn't rushed any steps here, um, and is is coming back uh, fresh and ready to roll. Um, yeah, and I like what I saw from her more than Vera. Um, assuming she comes back the same fighter as she was before. So let's uh, let's throw some up plus. Let's go again on on some plus money on a on the better striker in a matchup. And we're on the same page again. Uh, I'm also going to take Fianna Kianzad. I, I think I think you're 100% right. I think if this fight takes place at range where they can strike, Fianna Kianzad wins this fight. Uh, I think she's a faster striker. I think she's a sharper striker. There are two caveats to, to picking her. You have to think she can get off the cage when she wants to. Because Ketlin Vieta needs to make this like a grinding, gritty fight against the cage. And if she does that, Ketlin Vieta can surely win it. Um, so like she needs to be able to get off the cage. She needs to circle well. Um, and, and she also, we, we also need to hope that her knee is fine. Um, we, yeah. we need to hope that her mobility is the same as it was beforehand because part of her allure and part of the, the best facets of panic Kianzan are that she's quick on the feet. Um, and she moves in and out well. So I think if she moves in and out well here against Ketlin Vieta, I think you're right. I think she's a way better striker. Um, uh, I think she lights her up. I don't think there's any chance she finishes her because she just doesn't, isn't that kind of striker. Um, but right. I do think, uh, Pena Kianzad by decision here is an easy, easy pick for me. Yep. Um, she is my pick as well. She looks to be in shape when you look at Instagram and stuff. looks like, like, doesn't, um, look like she's struggling at all, uh, with condition or anything. Um, so hopefully that means her knee is, is back and ready, uh, ready to roll. It's not like she's going to tell you if it's not anyhow. So we'll just have to uh, assume that it is and and hope. But it's plus money, so it's, it's worth a roll of the dice because we love underdogs and we do love underdog fantasy as well. We're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Basketball Mania 4 is here, and Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes. Underdog Pick'em is also a great way to get down on your favorite MLB and NFL season player props. So many ways to win over Underdog, and Underdog is available in so many states. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for 100% deposit bonus up to 100 bucks. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. All right. We are moving to. Oh, I just remembered. I didn't dedicate this episode to anyone, did I, Dan? I, I butchered the okay. opening. We'll, 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 we'll dedicate the next one to two people. How about that? No, I'm dedicating this one to Ahmed Vert. <laughs> Ahmed Vert fight week. If there's new listeners here or people with poor memories like me, just Google that name. And, don't, uh, don't Google it. <laughs> go ahead. Google Google the name, and then you'll know who Ahmed Burt is. Oh, weird. Uh, Mahmoud Muradov's fighting now, and I said Ahmed Burt. Weird. Uh, middleweights, Mahmoud Muradov from the, the famed fight promotion. Oh, uh, Muradov Fight League. <laughs> Muradov Fight League, exactly. Uh, he's going up against Brian Bam Bam Barbarina. A man who was interviewed by Gumby plenty of times in the past. Not on this week, though. Um, but he's a regular on the Top Turtle. All right, we'll tell you about Bam Bam first. Bam Bam Barberina, 18 and 10. 11 knockouts, two submissions. He's been knocked out twice, submitted three times. Nine and eight in the UFC. He's won. He's lost two straight, excuse me. Before that, he won three straight. Both of his losses recently, the last two have come via sub. He's fight at welterweight and lightweight. It's hard to believe, picture him at well, uh, lightweight, isn't it, at this point? Yeah, it, it is at this He's a big point. boy. Yeah. He's not like fat or anything, but he, he's a big guy. Yeah. Um, 2009, a pro MMA debut. More active landing strikes than Muradov. He has outstruck his UFC opponents by almost a strike a minute, which is impressive. Uh, he's at plus 0.98 strike differential per minute, and he's at plus 275. Mahmoud Muradov, a.k.a. Ahmed Vert, 
25 and 8, 17 knockouts, three submissions. He's been knocked out once, submitted four times. Three and two in the UFC. He won his first three fights and then lost two straight. He's not won since January of 2021. However, he has multiple regional championships on his mantle. Correct. Get the shirt, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash store. Can you see any of those? Can you see the mantle in any of his videos, Dan? I have never watched any of his videos. Okay. I just thought I'd check. So you haven't <laughs> seen his mantle. I, I have not seen his mantle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just wanted to confirm. All right. 2012 pro MMA debut for him, which is common. Everyone on this fight card seems to have uh, started 11 years ago. He also is a kickboxing champ. That's probably on his mantle as well. Uh, two inches of height, three inches of reach over Barbarina. He's got better grappling stats than Barbarina as well. Uh, he's outstruck his UFC opponents by 1.63 strikes per minute, which is impressive. And he is at minus 320. Not much value here. I mean, I don't know that there's not value here. Uh, which is Oh, you're taking is, Barbarina? No, I'm taking Muradov, and I still <laughs> think too. there's value at negative 320. Um, no you know, Bam Bam's not in your podcast anymore. I, no, and I love Brian Barbarina, both as a, <laughs> yep. as a fighter to watch because he's super fun and as a human being, like he's, he's also just like a great guy. But the problem yep. is, is that this is a guy who fought at 170 pounds and his biggest issues at that weight were being bullied, right? J- J- Jason, the vanilla gorilla wit, who did not do very good things in the UFC, bullied him. He took him down seemingly at will whenever he wanted to. And if that's the problem, if you're getting out wrestled, usually the remedy for that is to drop weight, right? If you're, if you're really a fast striker and you want to use that and go up a weight class, that's cool. But like he's getting bodied by 170 pounders. He's going to go up 15 pounds now. Um, and he's going to fight a guy right off the bat who's actually low-key a good wrestler. I know Muradov, that's like not his his first thing that he goes to. But it's worth noting that Muradov did go 2-2 two two, taking down Kai Bohio in his last fight, which is like not an easy thing to do. Kai Bohio is really freaking good. And now Bohio wound up getting the best of a lot of those grappling exchanges and wound up winning that fight pretty handedly. But like Muradov can work on the mat when he needs to. He did it against Trevor Smith too. So I think, first of all, he, he's a better striker with a good chin in the wrestling in his back pocket. I, I think this is a slam dunk pick here. And I think it's one that will just add a whole bunch of value to every single parlay that you're trying to put together. Well, there you go. Yeah. I I'm taking, um, Murdov as well. Um, yeah, this is, seems to be, I was going to say unfair matchup, but there's no such thing, but yeah, this is a, a pretty lopsided matchup, Uh guy you can really crack. And, um, and it's going to really crack here, uh, more than likely. So uh, Murdov is the pick. We're moving to the heavyweights division. Wasn't Jamal Pogue supposed to be light heavyweight, Dan? He's back up to heavyweight again. Um, He said he was. So uh, the last time I interviewed him before his debut, he said he wasn't ruling it out. But the, the UFC likes him at heavyweight and wants him to, oh, okay. like, put on the appropriate weight um and like build himself up as a heavyweight which i guess now he's he's kind of done uh he says he expects to have a a physique that looks a little bit more like a real heavyweight which i don't i don't know that that's a good thing all the time but you know what i mean a real heavyweight um for this doesn't doesn't quite look like it yet but maybe he's on his way i'm not gonna body shame the man let's say this too though off the bat because you're right like moving from light heavyweight when you made 205 a bunch of times to heavyweight always kind of an alarm He's got a build that works at heavyweight though, right? Like he's, he's a big dude. He's six foot three. He's got big wide shoulders. He's got like a 77 inch reach. That That's like, that's at least built like a heavyweight is right. Yep. 
Yep, it's true. It's true. All right, let's break down the fight. He's fighting uh, Nick Parkin, which is a perfect name for someone fighting in London. Uh, sounds like an old-timey British boxer. Um, all right, Parkin, 6-0, five knockouts, one submission. So he's finished everyone. This is his debut after going 1-0 in the Contender Series. He was a regional champion. He also is a kickboxer. He's an inch taller than Pogues. More active landing strikes based off of one fight. Better grappling stats based off of one fight as well. He was outstruck in that fight, though, by point, uh, sorry, 4.62 strikes per minute. Yeah, he still won on Contender Series. Plus 135. The Stormtrooper, Jamal Pogues. 10-3, four knockouts, one submission. He's been knocked out once, submitted twice. So he's been finishing all of his losses. 1-0 in the UFC. 2-0 in Contender Series. He's won three straight fights and six of seven. Used to fight at light heavyweight, as, as we were talking about there. Was a regional champion as well. 0-1 in Bellator. Based on their last weigh-ins, he was around nine pounds heavier than Parkin. He's been outstruck over the three fights we have stats for by 0.2 strikes per minute, minus 148. Give me Pogues here. Um, just the better fighter, and just look at the resumes. Just look at who Parkin has fought. He's fought one real fighter, maybe two. I can't remember now. Maybe only one, but uh, yeah, he's. it's really been cans. Um, so give me Pogues here. And, and you said negative 148 on Pogues? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fun number. I, I, fun number, first of all. Second of all, yeah, I like Pogues, too. Um, do, do you know why his nickname is the Stormtrooper? Um, no, let me know. Hopefully it has to do with Star so, Wars and not, not some other horrible thing. That well, no, so no, so when he uh, when he he started training MMA, uh, he was like a young kid, and he used to just, in the words of his coach, come into the gym and fuck shit up, um, which is uh, uh, kind of like a Stormtrooper does. So, um. Yeah, I, I like him here, too, uh, and, and mostly just because it's a little bit of a fade to Mick Parkin. You know, you mentioned how badly he was outstruck in that Contender Series fight. It wasn't even that long, but, like, Eduardo Neves, like, just absolutely pieced him up on the feet, brutalized him, had him on wobbly legs, and then inexplicably decided to grapple him uh, in the wildest fashion, decided to grapple him, kind of tired himself out in grappling exchanges and got himself rear naked choked. It, it was much more of a, uh, you know, drop in the bag by Eduardo Neves than it was a comeback from Mick Parkin. And when you look at it, um, Jamal Pogues, he's got a better gas tank than that. He's smarter than that. And I also think he's a better grappler than Neves is. Like he, uh, people forget that, that Pogues actually kind of started his career as a dude who, you know, grappled really well at light heavyweight, which was kind of unseen then. And, and that's why he made it through the regional scene so well as a light heavyweight now he's using his length a little bit better, and he's gotten a lot better boxing. I think he can box up Mick Parkin here, and even if he's not, I think he's going to have the grappling advantage. And I also don't know that Mick Parkin's got the cardio for him because you know it's worth noting, you know, Mick Parkin uh, hasn't gotten to the third round in a professional fight ever. That's a little bit alarming because even la the last loss for Pogues, even his last loss came in the fourth round. Uh, because he was fighting an LFA title fight. Like he goes deep into fights and looks fresh deep in those fights. He did against Josh Parisian. He did it against Paulo Renato. Like he can deal with that. So yeah, I, I like Pogues and I even like him by a late stoppage here, probably. See, Dan mentioned people who you probably have heard of that Pogues has fought. Um, looking at Michael Parkin, AKA Mick Parkin, he fought Eduardo Neves on uh contender series five and oh, so that's legit. Before that, six and nine, haha, 69, seven and seven, 
two and three, two and seventeen, and one and ten. <laughs> two and so, seventeen yeah. is great. Also, that guy yeah. was two and seventeen when he fought McParkin. He's two yep. and twenty-eight now. See, he's he's gonna become one of the legends, is he? One of those legendary cans. He uh, that would be Jan Lysik. Yeah. Right? Or Jan. Jan Lysik? Yeah, since the beginning of 2002, uh, he's fought one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He's fought ten times since the beginning of 2002, and he hasn't made it out of the first round once. Fan, <laughs> fantastic. So yeah, hopefully we we aren't don't have egg on our face uh, after after picking um, Pogues here. We shall see. Let's move way down to lightweight. Mark DKC versus Joel Alvarez. I will tell you about a DKC first 16 to six, six knockouts, one submission. He's been submitted twice, seven to six in the UFC. He's won two of his last three. Uh, and also two of his last five did lose his last fight. Multiple region championships on his mantle. Correct. Get the shirt sports gambling podcast.com slash store 2013 pro MMA debut. Uh, barely outstrikes his opponents, but technically he does uh, 0.1 strikes per minute. Better grappling stats than Alvarez plus 165. Al phenomeno. So we got two phenoms on this card. He's 19 and three, three knockouts, 16 submissions. So he's finished everyone, mostly on the ground. He's been knocked out himself twice. So he's only gotten the distance once. Speaking of gas tanks, keep that in mind. Four and two in the UFC. He's won four of his last five. However, he did get TKO'd in his last fight. That was back in February of 2022. That was to a good, good fighter as well. Um, that guy, Jaylen the Turner? Armenian. No, he, no, he lost to the Armenian, uh, Armin Sarukian last fight. Oh, Sarukian. Yeah. Um, that was back in February, 2022. He's missed weight twice. So another thing to keep in mind was a regional champion, or I guess probably is technically in his heart, uh, used to fight down at featherweight 2013 pro MMA debut as well. Same as DKC five inches taller, four inches of reach more active landing strikes than DKC. However, he's been outstruck in the UFC by 0.24 strikes per minute. He's at minus 188. Gumby. Another fun number, take Alvarez. Um, I, I, I'm, I was I'm wavering gonna, on this, so sell me. So here's the thing. I am going to say I'm a little hesitant on pulling the trigger with any any kind of real bet. As far as like who I think is going to win, uh, I'll okay. take Alvarez. Negative 188 slash Alvarez in general is a little bit he, – he's a little bit of a hesitation pick for me because of two things. Number one – I know he's longer here, right? He's got the reach advantage, you said, right? Uh, Alvarez, yes, four yeah. inches. Yeah, yeah. He, looks, height. he looks way bigger. Um, So, like, I, I I like that. I don't always know that he uses it. That's that's my first hesitation. And then my second hesitation is he's so good with the guillotine when somebody mm-hmm. shoots a takedown. But we I'm also – guillotines. We, we love jumping guillotines <laughs> here at the, the MMA Gambling Podcast – but also, and I think Dia Casey is going to shoot him, right? That's the thing. I, I think Dia Casey, especially if he gets stung, is going to shoot him. Alvarez gets really comfortable laying on his back looking for submissions. So, like, if he doesn't get that guillotine, what are the odds he just spends, like, 12 minutes beneath Mark Dia Casey in this fight and loses a dumb decision? I, I'd say the possibility is there. So, like, if you're asking me if, if uh, who I'm picking, I'm picking Alvarez. But if you're asking me if there's value at negative 188, I'm going to pump the brakes on that. I would probably, if I'm looking to play Alvarez, try to find a submission prop here. I don't see one of those posted yet, but that's probably what I'm looking for towards the end of fight week. You saw me, but you saw me on the other side, Dan. Um, I, I've decided to go DKC on this. 
Um, I know he didn't look so hot in his last fight, but the two fights before that he looked very good, very good wrestling. And like you said, if guillotine does not get sunk in, DK could get very easily ground and pound his way to a decision victory does it, here. Does it alarm you that he couldn't wrestle Michael Johnson? Or are you just it's like, true, yes. are you a M- Michael Johnson truth? Or are you just actually, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely wouldn't say that. And the fact he's been submitted a couple of times is an issue as well. But I, like you said, I think there's value on the, on the plus money, money on him. Look at me taking value picks. Um, so not me. Um, plus he is not this, this super long layoff. He's not coming off a knockout loss. Um, so yeah. I, and, and he's going to be on home turf. So who knows how much that really is going to play in it. But Hopefully it doesn't hurt. So let's go to DA Casey. We got a different something, right? That's right. That's true. Uh, so good job selling me on the other side. All right. Walter Waits, Daniel Roberts, Johnny Parsons. Is this the fight whose odds swapped on yeah, you? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yep, same as me. <laughs> All right. We will tell you about the slugger not first. Fantastic nickname. <laughs> doesn't he doesn't fight enough for us to mention? I was gonna say it doesn't isn't mentioned enough, but that's because Johnny Parsons doesn't fight enough. The slugger, not Johnny Parsons. Eight and three with six knockouts. He's been knocked out twice. This is his UFC debut, one no in the contender series. That was back in October of 2021. What's been going on since then? He is the striking coach surgery. at Syndicate MMA. Right. Brain. I shouldn't giggle about that, but it's true. It brain sounds surgery. funny when you say brain surgery, but it's <laughs> yeah, very true. It was brain he surgery. He did have a brain. Yep. This isn't brain surgery, but it was brain surgery. Yes. He, they found an abnormality after his fight. Great. Find it after, uh, after he's fought for you. No, they, they actually found it in the lead up to his UFC debut because he was booked for a okay, UFC okay. debut. He was supposed to fight Michael Gilmore uh, off the, the Ultimate Fighter. Um, the Gilmore and, girls, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Um, and so he was – he they they did miss it on Contender Series seemingly or it wasn't there. I, I don't know the okay. condition of these types of things. But then they did catch it before he was actually supposed to fight. Good. And he's all – better and ready to roll apparently i mean i assume if they're gonna let him fight yeah like i, <laughs> yep. I would have to assume that he's better do they have to cut his mullet to, to do brain surgery Hopefully yeah not. he had a pretty gnarly that. scar on his head oh uh, yeah yeah it was it was pretty gross i saw it i think you can find it on his instagram if you want well i'm sure dan has it bookmarked um all right let's tell you about the slugger not again uh where was it yeah so that's why he's been out since october 2021 just brain surgery no big deal uh, he has won five straight fights. He's not lost since August of 2019. Uh, used to fight up at a middleweight to 2013, pro on May debut. Four years younger than Roberts. More active landing strikes based off of one fight. Uh, he was outstruck in his contender series fight, though, by 1.67 strikes per minute. Minus 105, so this is pretty much a pick him. He was the, the bigger favorite, or he was a favorite, actually, heading into this. Uh, and Roberts was plus money, but no longer. Hot chocolate, Daniel Roberts, 18 and seven, eight knockouts, five submissions. He's been knocked out four times, submitted twice, seven to six in the UFC. He's lost two straight. Before that, he won two straight. Before that, he lost two straight. So 0 and 2, 2 and 2, 2 and 4 is how that works out. Got TKO'd in his last fight, 2010 pro MMA debut, 3 and 1 in pro boxing, four inches taller, five inches reach on Parsons. He's been outstruck in the UFC by 0.42 strikes per minute, has better grappling stats than Parsons, minus 110. Give me hot chocolate, Roberts. I'm, I'm sad it's not a underdog any longer. Um, Got to worry about a guy who's been out this long and had brain surgery for for God's sake. Um, it is concerning that on the other uh, other side of the coin it is concerning Parsons hits really hard and Roberts tends uh, not doesn't tend to get knocked out, but but he can be knocked out. Four of his seven losses have come via knockout. He's coming off a TKO loss in a bit of a, a slump here. But I, I like I like him better in this fight still. Um, and plus, he's going to be way better than Parsons and not all that ring rust. 
hopefully uh, a fully healthy brain as well. And he's fighting at home. So give me hot chocolate. Yeah, and, and to, your, to ease your concerns a little bit about him being knocked out four times in his career. And granted, you know, it's not one of those things where, like, uh, you know, I always say it's cumulative. So it's not like somebody who punches a little less hard won't knock you out because somebody did. But if you look at the people who've knocked out Danny Roberts, Jack Della Maddalena, Michelle Pereira. Uh, he was also knocked out by Nordine Tlaib and Mike Perry. So, like. Dudes who, yeah, two dudes who throw them, right? Du- dudes who hit. And I'm not saying that Johnny Parsons doesn't, um, because Johnny Parsons slugs a little bit too. That's why he's called the slugger not, right? But the thing is about <laughs> Johnny Parsons is he's given up five inches of reach here. And we saw when he fought Solomon Renfro, because that's who he fought on like the, the contender series. Solomon Renfro just pieced him up in every corner of that cage until he was tired. Um, I don't think Danny Roberts is going to tire himself out. I think he's a little bit smarter of a fighter than that. I also think he's going to stay away from the big throws from Johnny Parsons. Um, you know, Johnny Parsons is while a guy who throws real heavy, not a guy who disguises his strikes particularly well. Um, and and not for anything, I actually kind of think Solomon Renfro won that fight. Um, so like the layoff, all of those other factors factored in, and, and you're still only getting Danny Roberts at negative 110. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Solomon Renfro, truther, is who you are, Dan. Totally. Yeah, but that's fine. I'd rather be that than a uh, <laughs> Michael Michael Johnson truther. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely have to agree with that. All right. Um, main event time of the prelims. Bantamweights, Davey Grant versus Daniel Marcos. We'll tell you about Mr. Grant first. Dangerous Danny Grant, 15 and 6, four knockouts, nine submissions. He's been submitted four times. Six and five in the UFC. He's won two straight fights. Before that, he won two. He lost two straight. Excuse me. Before that, he won five, three straight. So two and zero, oh, two and two, five and two. Uh, a man of streaks. He, both of his one, most recent wins have come via finish. He was two and only oh Ultimate Fighter as well. Who did he lose to in the finals, Dan? Oh, the Ultimate Fighter. He lost to Chris Holdsworth, I think. Who? Who is that? Where is? What happened to that guy? I remember. Um, I, I know he fought one more time. I want to say he beat Ch- Chico Camus. Um, but then, uh, I think he had either some health issues or I think it was some health issues that just, uh, you know, made him decide to quit MMA. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, back to Grant. Uh, he's regional champion, 2008 pro MMA debut inch taller than Marcos, better grappling stats than Marcos. Uh, and he has outstruck his opponents by 0.89 strikes per minute in the UFC plus 120 on dangers. Davey Sankaro. Sankara, excuse me, is Marcos' nickname. He's 14 and 0 with eight knockouts, one and 0 in the UFC, one and 0 in contender series, one is last of it BTKO, was regional champion, eight years younger than Grant, better striking in stats, plus he's more active landing strikes. He's outstruck his UFC and contenders opponents by almost three strikes a minute, a very impressive number, 2.96 strikes per minute, minus 138. I'm going to go with, uh, with Daniel Marcos here. Um, me too. I'm, I'm a big Davey Grant fan. I like Davy Grant a lot, but two two things worry me in this fight about Davy Grant. The first is uh, that he won't get close enough to Marcos based on how long Marcos fights. Um, because if you if you watch Daniel Marcos either on Contender Series like he did against I think he fought Brandon Lewis in that fight, um, or, or the one against Simon Oliveira in his second fight, he he fights a lot longer than his reach would dictate. You know he's he's five foot seven. He's got a sixty nine inch reach. And, and he fights a lot longer than that. 
Um, and and that's uh, he's essentially the same exact size as Davy Grant, and he fights like I said, he fights longer than that. The second thing that worries me about Davy Grant is he's really fallen in love with his hands and not his wrestling. Because I think the path to trying to beat Daniel Marcos is to try to get in his face, wrestle a little bit here, and make him hesitant to throw. And I just don't think he's going to do enough of that or or enough of that with success. Um, I, I think Daniel Marcos is faster. I think he works the body better. Um, and like I said, I, I think he uses his range better. So, yeah, it, as much as I love Davy Grant, I'm always going to be a Davy Grant fan. Man, Daniel Marcos here, I, I think is a good spot. Way younger fighter at Bantamweight as well, and a way better striker and more dangerous, even though the other guys call it dangerous. So, yeah, Marcos, I think, is the smart pick here. All right, let's recap. Well, we made it through all nine prelim fights. It wasn't a slog. I was joking off the top. Um, some interesting fights here for sure. Right, we both have Marcos. We both have Roberts. I have D. Casey. He has Alvarez. Both have Pogues. Both have Murdov. We both have Kianzad. Both have Ashmuz. We both have Brazil. We both have Bariz. Sound correct? That sounds correct. Awesome. We're going to be back tomorrow to finish up this fight card. We're going to give you a main card and then all of our fancy props, parlays, locks, dogs, all that jazz tomorrow. Uh, until then, you can catch us in the Discord, sportsgamingpodcast.com slash Discord. We're in the Fights channel in there more often than not. Uh, Twitter, SGP and MMA. Jeff Fox writer, Gumby Vreeland. They're all the handles you want there. Uh, Instagram, if that's your jam, I'm at Jeff underscore Fox underscore writer. What else can I tell you about? Top Turtle Podcast. We told you about that already. Make sure you listen this week. You can hear Penny Kianzad talk about her comeback. And you can listen to a uh, more talk uh, about the Contender Series. Dan has a Contender Series uh, upcoming fighter on the podcast. And his name is? Uh, Abdul Kareem Al-Sawadi. Right, who's I fighting forgot. the aforementioned who we talked about earlier on in the show, yep. George Hardwick. There you go. It all just like a Seinfeld episode, everything ties together at the end. So um, what else? My sub stack, get in there, sign up free or paid, preferably paid. haha. Uh, but then you get all my writing in your inbox and you can enter my, my free pick em contest. That is at moneymma.substack.com. And then all things good in sports gambling in the sports gambling landscape is at sportsgamblingpodcast.com. We should be back tomorrow. It will be me, El Phenomeno, Jeff Fox, and my co-host, The Sluggernaut, Gummy Vreeland, will be riding shotgun as well, and we'll talk to you then. Bye.